Hi, and welcome to another episode of the MedTech Matters Podcast, where we learn about someone impacting the medical device industry. I'm Sean Fensky, Editor-in-Chief of MPO and host of the podcast. Today we're speaking with Andy Doraswamy, founder and CEO of Koya Medical. Andy, thanks for joining us. How are you doing today? Doing well. It's happy to be here, Sean. Great. Well, we're happy to have you. Um, so let's let's start. You know, right at the at you know at the the most obvious question: What is Koya Medical, and you know what is your clinical focus area? What is what is it that you're doing? Yeah, so Koya Medical, we're based in Oakland, California. We are um, a startup company, early stage commercial, uh, and care deeply about transforming the venous and lymphatic space. So we're just getting started. Uh, we're an innovative company, uh, and uh, we're working on a variety of things. So happy to tell you more about what we're doing. Okay. Well, one one of the things that you're you're doing is the is a product called the Dayspring, and you just recently uh, uh, released the, uh, or I'm sorry, you just recently gained clearance for the Dayspring light. So why don't you start by Telling us what the what the day spring is, and then maybe we can move into the day spring light. Yeah, g- great question. And uh, so, in order to know what day spring is, just a brief uh, background of the disease itself. Um, we all are familiar with um, basics of how the body works, with the arterial and venous flow that moves uh, blood to various organs that are essential uh, in all the various cellular levels. Uh, what we may not know as well is there's a, another system called the lymphatic system, which closely tracks the arterial and venous system, where the exchange of uh, toxins, uh, think of it as the, the waste removal part of the body, which is so critical, right? Um, mm-hmm. And it's uh, recently been connected to inflammation, the basic uh, metabolic function of the body, uh, very, very critical, essential for uh, being in health. Now, when, uh, when your lymphatic system is usually uh, damaged or blocked from uh, either cancer treatment like surgery or radiation, or if you have a trauma or infection or genetic disorders, and in, even in case of uh, chronic venous insufficiency, which uh, has a lot of comorbidity, your lymphatic system is uh, essentially is impaired. And when that happens, circulation, clearance of lymphatic fluid, and uh, and venous return is often uh, poor. And with time, it Mm -hmm. chronically gets worse uh, in a disease uh, which is termed lymphedema. And as the word describes, it's um, edema of the lymph. And due to that, uh, it can really be quite uh, debilitating, both physically and emotionally, um, typically, if you have left, left untreated, it can uh, lead to beyond the edema, uh, cellulitis, risk of infection, and in worst cases, the amputation. So this is something, unfortunately, wow. patients, cancer survivors live uh, for the rest of their life with this. So you can imagine uh, what they go through. Yeah. So, so, uh, so, so yeah. So what, what we decided to do? Uh, sorry. Go ahead. No, I was just going to ask. So yeah, exactly. What? How did you uh, address this problem? And, you know, uh, I assume the day spring addresses this problem, but why don't you explain to us how? 
Yeah, so I was actually, I encountered this disease uh, through a personal story. So my dad actually, after his prostatic cancer, uh, went through this, where a lot of his lymph nodes were removed. Um, Mm -hmm. So I started looking into the space uh, of lymphedema. What I learned was, um, one, it's a highly underserved community. Uh, Once cancer is sort of uh, in remission, I think what, what you end up doing is like, you know, you feel good and you move on as a caregiver. But for these patients, you know, I think they silently live with this. Uh, lately, I think they've uh, seen a lot of, um, you, know, you know, market access and market awareness on this. Uh, so I think it's really wonderful what the community has done. Uh, but typically the solution set is still very poor. Uh, there is no cure. Uh, they usually are uh, given compression garments. They see a therapist for their lymphatic drainage. And uh, lately, you've also seen uh, growth in what are called pneumatic compression devices that are essentially air compressors that are plugged into the wall and provide sequential compression. So when we looked at the space, we felt, one, this was a great unmet need, um, highly underpenetrated in terms of uh, solution set and a very poor uh, solution set available uh, to patients. So we said, it's time to do something about it. So what we developed was a wearable compression garment uh, that comes alive and provides external um, compression and movement of the lymph fluid within the body through sequential Mm -hmm. compression that's calibrated. So it's like a true wearable therapeutic in that sense where you can get treatment at home. Uh, You can be completely mobile. So that is the Dayspring uh, platform that we uh, have invented, developed, and uh, obtained FDA clearance for. The Dayspring Light is a simpler version uh, that is for um, folks with early onset, uh, not as progressive, so where, where you, you don't need to calibrate each and every segment is the idea. But uh, we're slowly developing the entire portfolio here to address both upper, lower, extremity, and uh, for, for all cases of lymphatic and venous disorders. So you mentioned that you know the the uh, the alternative to the day spring is you know can be a a device that's plugged in which automatically you know leads me to realize that it's not mobile you know the patient isn't able to to move around and and continue about their day so obviously that's a substantial difference but what about um, powering the day spring? How how are you powering the day spring to uh, you know to facilitate the the uh, the act the action of the device and how does it compare? Your what, I'm sorry. What's the you know what's the life uh, without you know I'm thinking it's some sort of battery or something. What's the lifetime of a of a charge? Yeah, no, great questions. Uh, so firstly, the the fact that there are very limited solutions to patients, you know, it's estimated like 20 million Americans have lymphedema, and the incidence is about 1.5 million or so every year that's added to that. And, you know, the, I think single-digit uh, percentage is what, um, what patients have access to for the pumps, for example. And obviously there are, you know, traditional pumps haven't evolved since the 80s, um, and there's a reason, right? The laws of physics hasn't changed. And if you want to displace air quickly, then you need a pump that is large enough. And to do so, you need to have uh, adequate voltage and power so you're plugged in. 
uh, lithium-ion battery typically won't be able to deal with uh, physical movement of air or liquid uh, when it's done in an advanced uh, programmable fashion, right? So laws of physics kick in. So what what we've done is uh, used shape memory alloys, uh, smart materials, that I'm sure you're familiar with. So we use that to carefully weave it uh, into the clothing uh, or the garment in this case, where you can uh, stimulate that through electricity with a lithium ion battery that uh, can essentially allow the each flex frame or the nitinol weave to shrink and apply the pressure. So it's essentially smart garment in that sense. Uh, think of an Iron Man um, suit, for example, how it shrinks. Mm-hmm. It's similar to that uh, in how it looks. Um, and uh, in terms of functionality, a lithium-ion battery would uh, adequately powered uh, would, would last you a few treatment cycles. So you can walk around with this. Uh, more importantly, I think, as we discussed, uh, psychosocially, you want to enable and empower uh, users instead of uh, having them be tethered and, uh, um, and, and have, a, have a machine plugged into it. Uh, especially if you've mm-hmm. already been through plenty, um, you don't want to hold them back, right? You want to enable them to live. Yeah, I mean, that's, that's fantastic. I mean, I expected to hear about, you know, air pumps and, and motors and, you know, things driving the compression and, and uh, you know, the actuation. Um, and I, I, I never even thought that, and I have heard of nitinol and shape memory and how that's activated and the, the, the benefits of that, but it didn't even occur to me that that might be used uh, in this type of application. So that's really remarkable. Um, now, am I correct in, in that, you know, the, the, the voltage or the, the energy needed to stimulate the nitinol is significantly less than what would be needed to drive a motor or a pump or, you know, to, to have those types of uh, components in the, in the Dayspring uh, device. No, your assessment is correct. Uh, and, uh, you know, I think you read on um, smart materials and technology uh, coming into medtech, uh, especially on the treatment paradigm more than diagnostic, uh, is a good good one because we're going to see more of that. Uh, I personally think we are sort of entering a golden age in healthcare where both through the advances in biotech and medtech, you're going to see um, a lot of problems being solved with the convergence of uh, advanced tech solutions. And we're already seeing software sort of being an integral part of a med device. Um, you know, everybody is fully aware. We've got a mobile app as well that can communicate, uh, record how patients are using this, how they're engaging. Um, so I think uh, it's, it's exciting times, I think, in med tech. Yeah, absolutely. Now, you mentioned uh, that the that – the, uh, device or the, the, the charge uh, would last several uh, treatments. How, how long uh, should a patient, uh, you know, go through a compression therapy, let's say, session or treatment uh, with the Dayspring device? How long is one treatment? Yeah, it's a good question. And uh, the label currently uh, is stated at one hour uh, a day. Uh, similar to if you, as you're breathing and uh, talking now in this podcast, 
uh, your lymph is still working, right? So it needs to work mm -hmm. clear. Uh, it doesn't rest. Your body, as you sleep, has to continue to uh, function, to absorb, digest, ingest, and uh, ultimately excrete. So similarly, the lymphatic system is uh, constantly working. Uh, when, in cases of folks with lymphedema, uh, that, of course, is slowed down or impaired or blocked. So what we're looking to do is provide that assist to say, let's clear out your lymph. Uh, it's not healthy to have that build up and provide that external mm -hmm. assist. So right now, I think an hour a day is, um, is, is, is the prescription and the usage for uh, this active treatment. Uh, but as you can imagine, an hour a day can quickly add up. Uh, we've uh, had our patients remind us that uh, if we can enable them by cutting the cord, so to speak, and allowing them to be mobile and in control of their time, uh, it's incredibly valuable. Uh, it's sort of it's sunk in for us in understanding the gravity of what we're doing here. Yeah, absolutely. I mean, you could, you know, I, in, in an hour I could, you know, throw it on, go food shopping and be back. And, you know, next thing I know I'm done with my hour or, or you know, is it, would there be any problem? Is there anything that, you know, does limit it? You know, like I was just about to say, you know, drive to the food store, but then I thought, oh, okay, if, if this is on your arm, is there any concern, uh, you know, in doing any sort of activity? I mean, obviously I'm not talking about maybe like working out or anything like that, but, you know, is there any problem with driving a car or, you know, are there any limitations in terms of normal behavior? Yeah, I think the first version of the product is uh, still uh, it, 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 uh, you have to wear it and you have a controller to go with it. Uh, so it's important that uh, you're using it uh, wisely. I'm not encouraging people to drive with this <laughs> just yet. But the idea mm -hmm. is um, you're allowing, at least within the home environment or if you're working, let's say you're able to type with this. Uh, for the lower extremity, you can wear, go get a glass of water, attend to the door. Uh, more importantly, just um, be engaged in your day-to-day -day activities. Uh, things like machinery right. and driving and other things, I think that might be a bit uh, of a stretch at this stage. I mean, these patients uh, already have a lot going on. But the general idea mm -hmm. is to enable it so it's, um, it's not in front of their mind because every time you see uh, the machine uh, that is conventionally used, it's a reminder of your condition in a way. So if you can sort of wear it and put it behind you, and at least it reduces the psychological aspect. Uh, physiologically, of course, uh, the longer you use it, uh, the more compliant you are, and the better your treatment will be. Now, I, I, I did see on the website when I was looking, you know, looking up the day spring and, and finding out a little bit about it, uh, you know, I, I, thought the, I thought the device looked you know, like like something someone would would wear if they maybe broke an arm, like a like a soft cast or something like that. Are are you looking at it? Uh, you know, to to make perhaps further uh, modifications that would be more aesthetic rather than functional, or rather than reducing the size. Um, you know, would there be? Is there an opportunity to use you know colors or you know different things? Where again, like you said. You know, it, it doesn't remind them of the of the condition of the you know the situation, but rather it's something that's a little more um, whether it be colorful or just more neutral or you know, is there any 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 thought to that? 
A great question. Uh, in fact, we've heard that feedback a lot to, to add different patterns, different colors, something they could probably wear and be out and about. Um, it is something we're considering right now. I think um, from a purely uh, functional validation, uh, first order of business is to prove that um, you know, clinically the efficacy and the, and the underlying mechanism of action is there. You know, we're a clinically centered mm-hmm. organization. We've completed uh, several clinical studies. So I think that's where our head is at now. Uh, subsequently, focus on market access and getting this to patients in need. But as you can imagine, uh, as we grow, uh, absolutely, color, the comfort, aesthetics, all that uh, will continue to evolve. Uh, in fact, the irony is um, when you see uh, football players or the sports arena, they'll usually wear these uh, pneumatic compressions uh, on the sidelines for recovery. Um, it, it, to them, it's the same mm-hmm. thing that happens. You know, you have buildup of lactic acid and uh, they get fatigued. So using these uh, compression devices that are plugged in to sort of push the fluid out, you get faster sports recovery. Um, so, so that's an area of interest as well for us. But, uh, you know, I think as I mentioned, uh, first things first for us is uh, healthcare. We want to enable uh, folks with this condition first and then expand into other areas. Yeah, absolutely. Function, of course, is the, the primary uh, concern and, and first priority, of course. Um, you know, have you gotten, so you mentioned, you know, you have heard that, that sort of feedback from patients. Is there, is there other feedback that you've gotten from patients? And uh, specifically, have you had patients who, you know, were, were going through more traditional treatments, such as that, you know, earlier mentioned, you know, plugged in, uh, you know, where, where the patient has to uh, work with a device that's, that's plugged in so they're, they're tethered to the wall, um, you know, and then was able to move to a, to a day spring. And have you gotten feedback from, from you know, them where their experience, uh, you know, they experienced both methods? Yeah, we have. Uh, the answer to both of the questions is uh, yes, you know, beyond uh, aesthetics and color requests uh, from patients, um, you know, the patient feedback is uh, centered to how we do product development at Akoya. And for us, uh, the, the feedback has been overwhelmingly positive. Uh, obviously, we're biased, but, um, you know, an innovation like this uh, in, in using shape memory with, um, with a wearable textile and having software on that, too, as a component involves all aspects of cutting-edge engineering, uh, which hasn't been mm-hmm. done before. So it's a very new way to uh, do this uh, from a wearable standpoint. So there's a lot of new here. So for me, from a patient's feedback, the benchmark they have, as you have uh, pointed out, are the traditional treatments. So we literally cut the cord and enable them to be mobile. Uh, in fact, we've done uh, a single crossover randomized control study against some of these legacy technologies, and uh, what we see is, uh, for a lot of the folks, I think they love it. You know, they love to be in control and be able to move, um, which is obviously obviously great. Yeah, so I mean, I would I would certainly think they're they're enthusiastic about that that aspect of it for sure. Um, you know, I, I'm 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 intrigued by the by the night and all aspect. Again, that really was not something I was expecting. Um, it wasn't something I detected, you know, from your website. Uh, I may not have dived in deep enough, but 
Um, I'm really intrigued by the by the night and all L aspect of it and the the you know the smart material. Um, you know, is that do you have to use a a specific textile or are you able to uh, look at multiple types of textile to improve, you know, maybe comfort or, again, you know, maybe change the aesthetics? Or because you're using the nitinol, you know, threaded within the fabric, is it all, is it, are you limited by certain textiles and certain fabrics that you can use with it? Yeah, so it's an interesting question. I think um, th what we're finding is uh, the expertise of textile meeting uh, our conventional expertise in uh, med tech and uh, health tech um, is, is sort of um, not a lot of uh, corollaries there. So I think there are a few groups doing textile and making it uh, diagnose and uh, those type of things, but um, this is something completely organic. Uh, it's obviously proprietary that we've developed, and uh, I think there's a lot of innovation here. So uh, in terms of textiles, we're exploring further, learning more, and what else can we do to make it uh, more aesthetically pleasing and comfortable and breathable. That's a whole area in and itself, uh, similar to um, athletic wear, for example, right? So we're, mm -hmm. we're working with some of the world leaders in this space to, to make this comfortable so you can uh, wear it and have it breathable, soft, easy on the skin, uh, things you usually don't pay attention to in med tech, right? So it's been a great learning experience for us. Now, I, I don't know if it's practical from a, from a cost standpoint or – but you know, if if you've already if you've already established a a you know uh, if if you've already demonstrated that you're able to achieve you know what I would consider significant compression with this device through the use of nitinol, you know, is this something that you know from a from a from a technology standpoint, is this something that could later grow into where you're you're doing you know. Uh, uh, massage, you know, massage devices, or you know, more more direct to consumer devices. Are are there other opportunities here? And you know, Grant, you may not you may not be looking to share everything uh, uh, right at the moment. Uh, but you know, do you foresee other opportunities with the um, ability to achieve that compression uh, with the technology that you're you're using? Oh, you know, thanks for thanks for saying that, and thanks for recognizing the the greater opportunity for the platform here. You know, we're, we're excited about uh, what we have invented, and uh, you know, obviously there are plenty of avenues in terms of applications, um, especially in uh, the consumer arena, the sports arena, and uh, even even in orthopedics, for example. Right, even within healthcare, uh, a lot of the total knee replacement and. Uh, um, hip replacement, when they recover, edema is a very common uh, um, condition. So something like uh, this could absolutely aid in that, in that condition. So, but uh, once again, I think as a startup, I think for us, uh, with limited resources, um, we've got to be laser focused. So our primary goal is to address lymphatic and venous uh, space. The unmet need mm -hmm. there alone, as I mentioned, is uh, tremendous. Uh, in uh, a lot of these folks, even with chronic venous issues, uh, they don't have a lot of choices other than just compression garments. So we want to empower those folks and uh, and have an eye to the future and what else we can do. 
Well, that's that's fantastic, and and uh, you know, obviously, you you've already touched on uh, kind of w- where you're headed, but can you give a, a a little insight on what you see as as maybe the most immediate next steps, and then uh, a little further out? I mean, as I said, you already kind of shared a little bit of that, but maybe flesh out a little bit more on what you see as the next steps. Yeah, I think uh, for Koya Medical, we're at the uh, precipice of an early commercial phase where we're looking to bring our technology Dayspring and Dayspring Light and the portfolio we have to our patients um, in the U.S. We're starting in the U.S. Uh, we're starting in uh, limited geographies initially, uh, given uh, we're a fairly lean team, but it'll be a focused effort to ensure that the experience uh, with Dayspring, uh, all the way is uh, very positive, and uh, for us, I think that's our immediate next focus. Uh, beyond that, uh, the team uh, is an innovative team, and they're some of the best engineers in the field, and they will obviously continue to innovate. So as we look to see what else can we do in uh, lymphatic and venous space, uh, we would uh, continue getting involved in areas where we can solve problems. Uh, so we'll continue on the pipeline side, uh, but commercial, commercially speaking, I think that's where our focus is now, and we'll like, look to expand uh, our team and uh, and grow from there. Fantastic. Well, best of luck. I mean, like I said, I, I, it's 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 not often that I, I'm I'm you know uh, uh, you know incredibly impressed by by the implementation of technology that I've that I've heard about, but this is certainly an example where. Uh, you know, the night and all, smart material, um, you know, achieving the level, the necessary level of compression uh, to address, you know, this, this condition, that, that seems pretty impressive. So uh, best of luck to you and, and everyone working at, at Koya Medical. Thank you for saying that, Sean. Uh, as I mentioned, I think we're living in incredibly interesting times where you're going to see more and more convergence of uh, cutting-edge technologies across the, the board, and medtech and health uh, is very dear to me. Uh, in there's so many unmet needs and so many ways we can improve lives of uh, people. And I think for us, we're privileged to have the opportunity. And uh, thank you for highlighting uh, highlighting us. Absolutely happy to do it. But unfortunately, that is all the time we have for this episode of MedTech Matters. Uh, I'd like to thank my guest, Andy Doraswamy, founder and CEO of Koya Medical, for you know sharing uh, what is un- undoubtedly a remarkable uh, device and technology. Uh, and as always, I'd like to thank you, the listener, for tuning in. So until next time, this has been Sean Fenske, Editor-in-Chief of MPO, saying thanks for listening.